Thanks for joining us here today at Emmanuel, where we're one church with multiple locations. In a few moments, you're going to hear practical teaching from God's Word that we hope is relevant and inspiring to your life. If this service blesses you and you'd like to give financially, you can go to eclife.org, click Give, and choose Online Viewer as your campus. Thank you, and get ready for a life-changing message. Good morning, Emmanuel. How are we feeling this morning? We good? We good? We glad to be here. Well, post-fall break church for you. Everybody feeling all right? Refreshed? Some families are like, what's fall break? Um, I want to welcome you to Emmanuel. My name is Matt Randall. I'm your campus pastor here at the Greenwood campus. And uh, it's awesome to be in front of you today. Uh, it's an honor to step in anywhere, anytime that Danny is out. Uh, and we're actually doing something special this weekend. Uh, so at every single Emmanuel campus, the campus pastor is on their stage right now. Uh, giving the talk for this weekend. So uh, if you're sad you're not seeing Bill or Greg, uh, you still have time to catch them. Uh, Banta's that way, Franklin's that way. Uh, no, but it's awesome. Uh, Banta Bill is uh, leading the charge up at uh, our Banta campus, and Noble Coble, I think he made that name for himself, uh, is leading the way at Franklin uh, down there as well. So we're excited to bring it to you this weekend. Uh, how about a little bit of love for our senior pastor, Danny Anderson, if you know him. Give him a little love this morning. Yep. So last week, I got to tell you, last week was kind of awesome around here. So uh, we got to hear him uh, uh, via video here at our campus give us a message on impact. At the same time we were hearing that message, he was actually doing it uh, in uh, the, com- the, not the company, the country of Nic- uh, Nicaragua. Goodness, we'll catch up. It was Colombia. We just had a mission trip come back from Nicaragua. They did awesome work. But last week, Danny was in Colombia loving on the, the families and the, uh, the pastors uh, that run those churches down there uh, through our partner in Cartagena. And it was awesome. It was awesome that we got to hear it. He was there doing it. So he came back uh, late this week. And what I love about Danny is that he sets an awesome example for us as a staff and as a church in that uh, he dedicates time to make sure that he's spending good quality time with his family. And so uh, those last few days, instead of sermon prep and three days getting ready to bring it to you, um, he asked us to step up so that he could spend some good quality time with his family while they were on fall break. And so uh, can we just clap for that, like giving our families a little priority in our lives? Um, I love him for that. Uh, But I want to welcome you to week three of our series called The Brand. And he brought us the first two weeks, so I'll catch you up to speed if you weren't here. Uh, Basically, the idea of a brand is something that is kind of a visual or a logo or or something that sets one product or company apart from another, usually a competitor. And what we talked about is this idea that uh, that's not kind of the full real definition, I guess you could say, because brands make us feel certain things, right? Uh, They make us feel a certain way or buy into a certain thing uh, or buy a product whatever it is. And so we've just tried to talk about the idea of, of a brand that way. And in fact, we have a brand uh, being the E, and that's what we're going to uh, add to today. Uh, but here's, here's some, some funny stuff. So the first couple of weeks, Danny showed a couple of uh, graphics that are companies that have brands that mean something to him. The first one they show was about Starbucks. Can I tell you a funny joke? So uh, Bill and Greg and I are all preaching a little bit different, but the same thing this weekend. Right now, Bill Miller is telling his crowd that Danny loves Starbucks coffee and all that kind of stuff. So he showed the Starbucks logo. But Bill is showing the Shell gas station logo to his crowd right now because he loves him some Shell gas station lattes. Uh, They're also a little bit cheaper than Starbucks. So it's kind of picking on Danny there. But I got to show you one for me because one of the things that just stuck out. So Danny, one of the first uh, that he showed us last week was this brand. It was the, uh, the Air Jordan brand, right, or the Jumpman logo, if you know those kinds of things. I had to look that up. Uh, but this is uh, Michael Jordan, like the, the, just the perennial, long-lasting 
dunk signature there. And he wouldn't tell you this, but there's a really good reason he puts this up here. Uh, that's because, uh, I don't know if you knew it or not, but our pastor recently turned 40, so he's an old man, watch out. Uh, but he set this goal when he turned 40 that he would still be able to dunk a basketball at 40. Uh, now for a five foot eight on a good day guy, whatever. Uh, but for him, that means something. So on his 40th, his 40th birthday, dude dunked on his 40th birthday, which is nuts. Now, this is his way of kind of bragging about that to you. <laughs> this brand means something to him because he can still do that. Uh, and what's funny is, is I was uh, around his birthday, I was talking to his kids, uh, and he has awesome kids, Ruby and Bo and Andrew. And uh, I was talking to him and I said, uh, so your dad's 40, um, he can dunk. And they kind of looked at me like, yeah, yeah, he, he, he can dunk, yeah. I said, has he ever stopped like rubbing it in? And they're like, no, no, <laughs> no, we all know he can dunk. So Danny, listen, like, we get it, bro, you can dunk, all right? Uh, and so, uh, and th- so that's why this logo's up here. And then he went on to do something a little offensive and then he showed this logo, no. So this is the Nike logo, and uh, I just actually, I have to draw the line right there, actually. I got to draw the line at, at, at there, because everybody knows Adidas is better. <laughs> like, everybody, come on, seriously. Like, where are my Adidas people in the crowd this morning? Like, anybody, three stripes for life? Like, anybody? Okay, five of us, all right. It's, just, it's a small group. We're going to talk about that, actually. That's great. Uh, everybody knows Adidas is better, and uh, if I'm being super honest, I know this for a pretty good reason, actually. So just like Danny was dunking at 40, big deal. So recently, my four-year-old had a little recreational soccer festival, right, like towards the end of the season, and so uh, I helped coach uh, his soccer team this year. He's, his name's Graham. He's four. He's awesome. And so uh, he loves soccer, and they had this full-size goal set up, and they had some college kids kind of volunteering to help out, and they had a radar gun. And so, like, you know, the under five crowd had a little score of, like, how fast or, you know, how hard can you kick the ball? And then the under tens and then, like, the teenagers and stuff. And uh, some of you dads are no, know where I'm already going here. But, see, like, the dads were standing around and we're looking at this goal and a radar gun and we're like, like, you want to go? Like, I mean, like, no, you go. You, I'll go. That's fine. I mean, I play back in the day. That's probably not any bad. I mean, I got cross trainers on. Like, I don't, I mean, whatever. We'll see. Uh, so I got to tell you, like, I might not be able to dunk, but recently uh, I relearned that I'm still able to hit one of these. So Danny, if you're listening out there, can you hit one of these at 60 miles an hour in the upper 90 from the PK spot? Because uh, I can. <laughs> Adidas. Uh, so, uh, yeah, 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 I don't have to clap for that. I like to pick on him here once in a while. I did warn him that I was going to pick on him this week. Uh, He cried a little bit. It's fine. He's going to be all right. Uh, So we talk about these idea of brands because they make us feel something, right, guys? They make us feel a certain way about a thing. And we've talked about this idea as a brand for us this week, uh, or this series, in fact, is that there are certain things that this brand represents, Okay, so like when you see this E in the community, we can expect certain things about that. And in particular about the people that are wearing that E. And I see lots of them in the crowd today, and that's awesome. And today we're going to add to that uh, that we have in this series. We said week one that it's all about grace and transformation. The idea we have 100% amazing grace from Jesus, but our job is to start translating that outward from us. And that we are a giant work in progress, so we're going to mess it up, but our target is to get it right that we are a, uh, a work of transformation. The second week, Dean talked about we all have a personal kingdom impact to make. This idea that uh, this whole Jesus thing's not about me, but I gotta go impact the world around me with what Jesus has given me and the way that he has built me. And today we're adding to that brand, and I wanna show you what it is. It's in your notes. That the E stands for community. The E stands for community. Now we know the word community in a lot of different ways. 
Uh, so we know the local community center, for example. There's one in Greenwood. Uh, we know that uh, maybe Greenwood Community Schools or Center Grove Community Schools. Uh, we know that term in terms of kind of like a geographic group of people or kind of where we all live or something like that. Maybe just a random group of people, right? But today what we're going to do is we're going to look into what the New Testament says community actually is because we get a really good picture from what the first Christians understood to be important about living together in a life that included Jesus. And uh, it's in your notes this week. And if you didn't know, guess what? Uh, so we're going to learn a Greek word. And then in a little bit, I'm going to cuss a little. So I'm just warning you, okay? I've, I've got pre-forgiveness. We're fine. So right now, it's your Greek word checkoff of the week. And that's koinonia. Koinonia is, and what we've done for this week is Bill, Greg, and I basically wrap this definition. It's, it's sharing a common life in Christ. So in other words, it's how believers get along with each other. All right, so that's the kind of community we're going to talk about today, this idea of koinonia. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 2 in the Bible uh, to get an understanding of what it actually looked like for people uh, that were brand new Jesus followers when the church got started. So we'll go to Acts chapter 2. It says that these first followers, that they worship together at the temple. So the first thing about koinonia, the, the way they lived together, was the idea that they worship together at the temple. So for you checkbox, fo checkbox folks, guess what? Check another one off. We're doing it. We're gathered together in a big group. We're worshiping our Lord and Savior. We're doing koinonia. We're doing community. This idea that we gather together is nothing new. In fact, the first church, the first group of believers were uh, a few dozen to start with, but then immediately grew to the thousands. So believe it or not, the first church was a megachurch really quickly. And so what they understood to be important was is that they would gather together in large groups for worship and for, the dedic uh, and for dedicating themselves to the apostles' teachings. So we're doing it. Yeah. So you came to church today and you're like, ah, should I? Yes, you're here for a good reason because we're doing it well. But you know, there's something about it. There's something about being a follower of Jesus and, and attending the weekend services, as we would call them, um, the, same, the same would go to be true about the temple uh, back then. So we get together in a weekend service, and I could ask you some questions about the state of your spiritual life based on the fact that you call yourself a Christian and that you gather together at the weekend service. And there's a group that does this. They study Christians uh, every single year throughout the year. They study Christians and our attitudes towards certain things. And I've got a couple fill-ins in your notes this week because they ask some questions that are kind of telling about those of us that call ourselves Christians and show up on the weekend. Here's what we learned from Barna Research. We learned that 46% of those folks believe their life has not changed since going to church. So going to church and calling myself a Christian, not calling myself one, but have truly accepted Jesus and trusted him with my life, that 46% of those folks that are asked say that there's no distinguishable difference in their life. This week on social media, uh, Greg Coble, pa campus pastor at Franklin, uh, he asked just a kind of a simple question. He said, hey, we're working towards this weekend, and we were just curious, hey, how long have you been a Christian, and what are some of the things you still struggle with? And we heard from people that have been Christians for 35 years and, and still struggle to find their identity and security in Christ, at least from time to time. We heard from people that, hey, I've been a Christian for 30 years or 25 years. I still struggle with anger. Some of us struggle five minutes trying to get out of the parking lot with anger. Here's what we learned is we learned that, that when you come to church and, and you accept Jesus, that not everything changes all of a sudden. And that's not a surprise to most of us. But for 46% of the people that are asked, it's just going to church, going to church alone hasn't led to life change. 
And then yet another question was asked. And the answer to that is that 52%, more than half of Christians that have some church experience believe there's more to the Christian life than what they've experienced. Much more. Now, I don't think this statistic in particular is all that bad all in itself. Because for 52% of the people that were asked, they said, listen, I'm living a life right now, but I know there's a lot more. And I'm sure there are lots of us in this room, in fact, all of us that are not just checking a box to be here, that have shown up because you know God's got something for you. You know, there's some area of your life you still need to work on. There's still progress that you need to make. And that life change is out there. And that's why we make this trip. That's why we spend time together each and every week, because we know there's much more than we're experiencing. The abundant life that we talk about around here, like the high levels of peace, the high levels of patience, the high levels of perseverance, the idea that, hey, my security in Christ is high enough that no matter what's piled onto me in this life, I'm going to be okay. Like we know that's out there, and yet a lot of us aren't feeling it. And you know what? I don't think this was foreign to the first group of believers as well. I don't think it was foreign to them that they would continue to struggle with things uh, day in and day out, that simply accepting Christ and gathering together in the temple would fix everything that they needed to fix. And that's why there's more to Acts chapter 2, verse 46, about the idea of koinonia. This is what it says. It's that they worship together at the temple each day. Surprise, you're here tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'll see you back on Sunday. They met in the temple each day, but they also met in, say it with me, homes. You see, the first group of Christians knew something really important. They knew that this following Jesus thing was going to be tough. And they knew that if they were going to make it a priority in their life, they had to do certain things. One of which was they got together every single day. I'm just joking. We're not having services tomorrow. Okay. Uh, Nobody laughed at that. You guys were nervous about that? All right. Uh, But they also knew how important it was to surround themselves with good people in a smaller setting in their living rooms, at their dining tables. They would share meals together. They knew that was important. That was just as important as gathering together at the temple. And in fact, we've heard it said a couple times around here on this stage during this series, and we're going to say it again, and it's in your notes, that we as a church, we at Emmanuel, we believe that life change happens best in the context of intentional relationships. That life change happens best in the context of intentional relationships. The idea that we need to be intentional with the people that we surround ourselves with. And in fact, we have brands for that around here. We have all kinds of brands uh, that speak to this. Now, we call it small groups around here. Other churches call it life groups or community groups or whatever. But for small groups, that's what we mean, is intentional relationships with other believers. And in fact, we have brands for it, right? So I could show you a bunch of, well, okay. So I looked into my closet, a little embarrassing fact. My wife likes to pick on me. I pretty much have an E for every day. So like it's Monday, like, I don't know, I feel like a blue E today. So, uh, Monday, like I got into my closet and, uh, this is the vintage brand. Okay. When I'm feeling old, I want to wear the vintage brand, like been here, done it. Uh, when I'm feeling really secure with myself, I bust out the pink. All right. No surprise there. Uh, and then it looks like my wife got into this bag. So the, my wife rock shirt, uh, <laughs> from when I'm in the doghouse, I'm not currently in the doghouse. Am I? She's nervously smiling. We'll see about that after service. Um, oh, here it is. Okay, so then there's the original, and it's in your notes. Life, sorry, just kidding. Circles are better than rows. That circles are better than rows. Another way to say that those intentional relationships, those are more important than just showing up on the weekend. The circles are better than rows. And then even more today, we've freshened it up a little bit. 
So today we say that life is better connected. That life is better connected. And we believe that around here. Because this idea of being connected, being in intentional relationships with each other, has some significant value in our lives. And I want to tell you why. And we've got two points in your notes today, and we're going to get to them. Because I think that you gain certain things when you do this well. If we do this like the first Jesus followers did, we're going to do this well, and here's what we're going to gain. The first thing we're going to gain is this. It's wisdom. We're going to gain wisdom. Now, to make this point clear, I'm going to show you the exact opposite of what happens. Now, to do this, I'm, uh, I might need to share an embarrassing story from my childhood. Is anybody up for that? Anybody up for that? All right, my friend JD uh, is up for that. So I was a teenager, and pretty much since the time I was 15 years old, I've had some kind of job, part-time job, uh, full-time job, somewhere in between 15 years old or whatever. And back in my high school days, I worked uh, in uh, what could be classified as a section of the building trades, which are basically jobs where you build stuff, like buildings or whatever. So I worked among, among a bunch of plumbers. Now, I don't want to dog any plumbers in the room because I might need to call you for my toilet problems. But I worked around a bunch of plumbers. Now, there's something that is just happens to be true in certain areas. Maybe raise your hand if you work in some kind of area where people's mouths are just terrible. Anybody willing to admit that? Lots of them. Okay. All right. So you're with me here. So I worked around a bunch of people, and the word friend was about the third, fourth word in every sentence. You know what I'm talking about? Friend, you hear me? Students over there? I'm air quoting friend. We got, are we on the same page? We good? At home, we on the same page? Okay, great. So the word friend was basically third, fourth word every sentence. I had a supervisor who, when he got disappointed or something didn't go his way, he would literally sing a song with the word friend, like every sixth word or something. It was terrible. And I didn't think that mattered much. I was a youth group kid, right? So I hung out at church a couple nights a week. I was there on Sunday mornings. Like I had, I had some people around me. I thought everything was fine. Until... Until some friends and I, some of my youth group, we, op- we offered to help pick up... Uh, this uh, Christian concert that was going on, we offered to help the band after the concert, okay? So we were like being roadies for the day. It was super cool. We thought we were the best in the world. It was great. So anyway, so we're at this concert. We just got done lifting Jesus, and it was awesome, and everybody's in this, like, Holy Spirit's overflowing. It was just all kinds of Jesus going on, right? So I offered to help pick up this speaker on, the, like, one of the stage monitors, the speaker, and it's a big speaker, and, and listen, I know my guns weren't always this big, um, <laughs> So I had some people like, are you sure you can get that? So I'm like, no, 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 I got this. I got, I got, I got this. So I'm lifting up this speaker and I'm carrying it off the stage and I take four or five steps. I'm feeling good. And everybody's like, you good? I'm, like, I'm good. I'm good. Well, something awesome happens right at the edge of the stage. So I drop said speaker on the ground. What do you think came out of my mouth at that moment? Darn it. No, uh-uh, no, no, no. The word darn it, the words darn it did not come out of my mouth. Uh, the word friend didn't either. It was worse. Now, some of you parents right now are texting your kids that are sitting over here. You're like, guys, what's, wor- what's worse than friend? Like, tell me, I got to know this. So here's the deal. In that moment, I said probably the two worst words that could have come to my mind at that minute. The full name of our Lord and Savior so I said the words, Jesus Christ, as loud as I could. I told you I was going to cuss. It's pre-forgiven. We're fine. And immediately, the influence that I had with everybody around me, 
as a, as a leader who worked with our children's ministry at the church I was at, all of the adult leaders are looking at each other and they're like, not my kid. Mm-mm. Instantly, I felt the harm, pain that comes with surrounding myself and not thinking that it's a big deal with the kinds of people that have an impact on us. And you want to know something funny? Bill, Greg, and I, this week, as we were putting together this talk, we got nerdy, got a little nerdy, and we dug into some neuroscience about this idea. And there's a, a study that was done by Northwestern University. It's by a guy named Maron Cerf. I got to show you what they found out. By people that you literally just hang around with or sit close to or in proximity with, here's what they found what happens. The more we study engagement, the way people engage with each other, just in proximity, some of you are very nervous about who you're sitting next to, we see time and time again that just being next to certain people actually aligns your brain with them. Now you're really nervous about the people that you're sitting next to. Literally, neuroscience backs this up, that the people that are in close proximity with us, our friends, the people that we just don't think have a big impact on us, they have a literal impact on our brain waves. That if you hang with someone close enough, your brain waves will literally match up to those of those people. So what came out of my mouth wasn't a surprise if you were to ask some neuroscientists. Now, do you think the Bible has something to say about that too? You think there's some thought in there about this idea of who we surround ourselves with? I'm here to tell you it does, and I'm just going to show you one part from Solomon in the book of Proverbs. Here's what Solomon says. Walk with the wise and become wise. Yes, I love one-to-one equations. It's so easy. It's so easy. Wise people get wise. Yes. You could say wisdom is contagious. Wisdom is contagious. Now, the opposite is probably true, right? One-to-one, right? Let's see what Solomon says. He says, walk with the wise, become wise. Easy. For a companion of fools becomes a fool. No. See, a companion of fools suffers harm. Solomon doesn't make this a one-to-one. He doesn't say, hang out with some people that aren't quite right and surround yourself with them, and you'll be just like them. No, 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 no. He makes it clear that we can suffer harm. When we surround ourselves with the wrong people. I felt that harm firsthand. And as I was talking to Greg this week and I was telling him the story I was going to tell, other than laughing at me, he said, oh man, that's so good. He said, you know what? He said, your experience showed it. Science proves it. And Solomon knew it. So there's got to be a point there somewhere. And here's the point. That your future your decisions will be determined by the people you choose to be in koinonia with, in community with. Notice we didn't say can be, may be, eh, every once in a while it's going to hurt you. No, 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 no. Your future is determined, will be determined by the people that you surround yourself with. That's why it's important that we surround ourselves intentionally with the right kinds of people. So we gain wisdom if we're doing it the right way, the way that the first believers did it. We also gain something else. Number two in your notes, that we gain credibility. We gain credibility. Now, it's not just about you gaining credibility. And the reason that I know that comes from John chapter 17. There's a section in the Bible, it's it's really fascinating, that Jesus is praying. And we're actually recorded, we get to to see recorded later on the, the words of Jesus in his prayer. 
to his heavenly Father. And he's praying for the disciples that are around him, and then he says something crazy. This is what he says. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, not just the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's me and you. He was praying for among people 2,000 years ago, but for those that would believe because they would do it the right way. That all of them may be one, Father. He goes on. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. What Jesus is saying in this moment, in his prayer, he says, God, I'm praying for the work that the people around me will do. But then I'm praying for also the work that, or the work that will be done that will cause others to have faith in me. And what he wants for us is for you and me to be as close in unity together as he is with God the Father. Did you hear him? That the relationship that you and I have with each other in this thing that we call following Jesus should be as close to each other as he is with God the Father. The why is the coolest part. Verse 21, he says, so that the world may believe, say this with me, that you have sent me. So Jesus is praying that we would be united together, that we would be experiencing community koinonia just the same way that he is experiencing God the Father for a purpose. Because the world is going to believe something. And they're going to look at the way in which we interact with each other and then make a determination about whether Jesus is real or not. So when we talk about this idea that credibility is at stake, there is a huge component that if you're not hanging with the right people and if you're not yet in a small group around here is the way that we do it, that you're not maximizing something. You see, the credibility is at stake. In your notes, we said it this way, that we minimize our credibility when we fail to maximize our community. We minimize our credibility to the world around us when we're not maximizing our community. And let me tell you what I mean by that. You see, when we're hanging with the right people, and we're doing the way, we're doing community, we're doing koinonia, the way that the first believers did. Here's what gets to happen. You see, we gather at the temple. We hear some awesome teachings that Jesus has for us or that, that we have in scripture that we can plug into our lives. And then we get to go home among those people and ask questions. If you open your handout all the way, you'll notice that one section of your handout on the inside is for the weekend service. Two-thirds of what we give you every week is to be done in your small group. Among other believers, where you can take the mask that we wear, y'all know we do it, come on. We take that mask we wear, we take it off so that people can see who we are. We ask questions. We try to figure out, hey, 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 Danny said that. He said that thing about, about impact, and I'm realizing, like, I, maybe I'm not making the impact that I should be. Like, what are you guys doing? Where are you serving in the church? We're able to let our guards down. We can get the help that we need with the problems that we're going through. Because chances are when we hang with the right kinds of people, there's going to be some wisdom that we can learn from. 
The people that have been through that thing that you're going through right now and somehow made it on the other side with their marriage intact. You see, that's what happens when we live life the way that we're expected to in Koinonia. We can maximize our community, and guess what happens as a byproduct? What we gain through that is the ability to be Jesus out there when it's even hard to do it. And not only your credibility and the credibility of your story that Jesus is writing every single day, but the credibility of this brand and whether or not you're at the grocery store and somebody says, hey, nice shirt, what's that all about? Those things happen, by the way. We hear stories all the time about people that see one of our shirts and ask a question. It's like, oh, just check out our website. It's awesome. Oh, by the way, I know I'm meeting you in Sephora right now, but I'd be glad to go to church with you. You can laugh, but that actually happened at our Banta campus, and it's awesome. Here's what's true about the idea of the weekend service and koinonia and how they go together. It's the last filling in your notes this week. The conversation begins in the weekend service. But life change is amplified in small group. Life change is absolutely amplified in koinonia and in small group and in people's homes, sipping coffee, talking about your week, asking how you're doing, working on that anger you've been trying to work on for 20 years. It's amplified. Our impact in this world is amplified when we're doing it the way the first group of believers did it. And some of you are a byproduct of that. Some of you have plugged this in. You've been challenged and you're growing in groups and and you actually can invite people that will accept your invitation because you're owning the brand. And maybe some of you are here today because of that invite. And my challenge to you this week is very simple. The first group of believers did one thing first. They went to the temple every single day. They ignored a hundred different excuses and made it. It was important. That flat tire that you had, well, maybe it was a flip-flop broken on a pop-top, on a sandal, whatever, for them. But they made it. Jimmy Buffett reference. You're welcome. But they made the gathering together a priority in their lives. That's my challenge to you. Be here next week, first and foremost. And in December, we're going to launch our registration for small groups again. They'll kick off after the first of the year. Now, why would I talk to you about small groups when you can't go sign up for a small group right now? It's because this brand, this brand, the community that we expect in this brand is koinonia, just like the first group got it together. That's our challenge to you this week. Be ready to sign up for a small group in December if you're not in one right now. And come back next week. Because we got some awesome stuff next week. We got some life change stories of people and we're going to dunk them in that pool. We're going to do some baptisms. It's going to be insane. It's crazy. If you're watching in your pajamas at home right now, put some real clothes on and come next weekend. Any campus you want. I don't care. Just be here. It's going to be awesome. And back to those of you who accepted an invite to be here. Maybe you're back for the third, fourth time, 10th, 12th, 11th time. Maybe it's your first time here. And you got a gift to pick up on your way out, by the way. But wherever you are, if, if this whole life with Jesus thing is something that you've been wrestling with and you haven't taken a practical step, you haven't reached out to Jesus to, 
to accept that kind of life that we're talking about, that's free from the guilt of the sin that you've experienced in your life, the way you've hurt other people, the way that you've hurt yourself, the, the things that you've done that you know are not the way God wants you to do them. There's hope. There's hope for you. All it takes is a simple step of faith. We do that through prayer, very simply. It's a simple conversation with God. And so I'm gonna lead a prayer here in just a second. And, and if you're wrestling with that and you're ready to take a step of trust, to take the life that you know it and, and to trust Jesus with it, then, then I just wanna say that if, that if you don't have the words in this moment to pray, just take mine. It's fine. You can have my words. The, the words aren't special, but it's the small faith that you have behind it. Because there's no better time than any other to start that journey with Jesus. And for those of us that have accepted Jesus and been on this journey for 20 minutes or 40 years, this is our moment to pray for the souls that are ready to accept him. That they might be in that spot that we were once in. So all of us, let's approach our Savior in prayer. Jesus, I come to you today knowing that I have not walked alongside you. Jesus, I, I'm here today and something that I have seen or heard or experienced has brought me to a point where I know that, that you are real that you are present and that your hand has reached out to me. So Jesus, the, the walking away that I have done, the doing my life the own way, my own way that I have done, the, the hurt, the harm that I've caused all around me, I simply ask for you to extend that forgiveness to me today. I'm grateful for your promise to take those sins and to separate them as far as the East is from the West. So Jesus, I accept your forgiveness today. And Jesus, I know that, and I've heard it taught that you're not okay with me staying right where I'm at. And so I just simply ask that you walk with me on this journey. May the steps that I take be right alongside you because I'm gonna need your help. Jesus, I'm grateful that with every ounce of power at your disposal in the entire universe that you still chose to die for me so that I might get to taste the life in this time on this earth that you have for me. So Jesus, today is the first day I can call you Lord. I trust you. Help me to take these steps today. It's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. So today, if you're in a spot where that prayer... Uh, is real and your heart's broken and you're taking steps to trust Jesus, what I want to do as a church first and foremost is to get the party started for you and welcome you to this awesome, awesome family of God. You heard Danny say in week one of our series, if you were here, and if you didn't, I'll just say it again, that like this whole journey of transformation, we call it, this whole journey of getting better day in, day in, day in and day out is hard. It's hard work. 
But the source of hope and the source of strength that we have in Jesus is reaffirmed and affirmed day after day after day in what he says about us. I know it is for me. And so today, if you made a decision for Jesus, we, we just wanna ask you to take just one bold step for us. We have uh, some folks in each corner of, the auto, our, of our auditorium that would love to put a gift in your hands and it's a one year New Testament. It's just a part of the Bible that we want to put in your hands. It's easy to digest. It's a little bit day in, day out. Because as you walk this journey, the promise of Jesus walking alongside you is real. For those of us who've been walking this journey for a while, we can tell you that it's real. It has a real impact. And we're, we're excited to put one of these in your hands. So I just want to ask that you go back to those tables and grab one of these. If you're online and you're watching our, uh, our live, uh, I want to say live cast, but if you're watching us live online, uh, and you made a decision today, first of all, this family rejoices with you. And so uh, just click the link that's there and we'll send you one of these in the mail because we don't want to leave you hanging as a church. We want to partner with you as well. And maybe for those of us that maybe you're still wrestling with this idea of faith and this idea of, of hope like you never felt it before and peace like you never felt it before and a family of believers together. If you're still wrestling with that, that's okay. If you didn't yet make a decision today, that's okay. You are welcome in any seat that we have at any time. But I also wanna tell you that if you step back to the tables back there, they're gonna tell you about Starting Point, which is an awesome environment where whether you've made a decision for Jesus, you've just made one or not, that if you've got hard questions that you want answered or find those answers to, and to wrestle with other believers about what we believe is true about Jesus, Starting Point is a great place for you. And so you can also just step back, ask us those questions, and we'll try to plug you in the next time that Starting Point happens. Church, I'm grateful to be with you today. I hope that the some little, some little something sticks with you, that not only will bring you back with the family of believers next week, that we'll get some life change plugging into you. Because none of us are here to check a box. Yay, we went to church this week. If we're not plugging it into our lives and seeing life change, none of it matters. That's my encouragement for you. I hope that you'll come back next week because like I said, it's gonna be crazy, the life change that you'll see on this stage and all across our campuses. Will you join me in a moment of prayer and we'll head home. Jesus, we come to you just grateful. Grateful that we can look into how you prayed for us. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful we have your words to lean on. That you would hope for us, trust for us, pray for us, that we would be united together just as you are united with our Father in heaven. Jesus, I'm grateful for that. So this week, I just ask that you challenge us in our daily lives. Challenge us to surround ourselves with the right people. Stop hanging out with the fools and put the wise around us so that we can see the life change that you promise us. Because the abundant life is real. It is possible. It is tangible. And it changes people. And so I ask that you just give us a taste of that this week that keeps us coming back, wishing and hoping and doing the hard work for more. We love you. We thank you for the chance to get together in your name. Amen. Have a great week.